Hello and welcome back to Bitcoin with Jake. Today I'm speaking with the Wizard of Oz. Welcome. Hello, Jake. How are you this evening? Really good. Really good. Wonderful. I uh, I confess before the call I was a little tired. It's the evening time here in Melbourne and got a small baby and all the rest of it, so having to rouse myself for the occasion. But talking about Bitcoin, somehow one's energy levels just kind of come flying back. You're like, right, let's get into it. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so as a uh, um, as a starting point, could you please give an introduction as to uh, the projects you're involved in at the moment, so we have an understanding as to what you're up to in the here and now, and then we're going to have a little um, explore into what brought you to today. Sure, sure. So I guess the uh, the things I'm involved with really are the um, Bitcoin Brisbane and helping organise uh, and run that. So that's, um, that's a Bitcoin-only group focused up here in Brisbane. Um, we meet once a month. Um, everyone's welcome. We usually post up on Meetup. Uh, there's a Telegram group. Um, and we just try and... It's focused entirely on education. So we're trying to answer people's questions, lift their education, send them to resources for things that make their learning journey a bit easier. And the other thing is the Bitcoin Bush Bash. Um, which we hold uh, at the moment three times a year in different parts of the country and help uh, organise and run that. Awesome. Well, I look forward to, um, to finding out how you got to this point. I have to confess, having been recently to the Bitcoin Bush Bash in Beechworth, I uh, had a wonderful time and I'm sure that you can um, share many stories of how enjoyable it has been meeting people that are interested in Bitcoin in person and, and how you see the space developing. Um, but if you don't mind, we'll, we'll take a step back and we'll try and have a think about, you know, what brought you to today. So um, can you tell us a bit about some of your career perhaps or your interests and the moment that you came across Bitcoin? Was it a, a love at first sight uh, for you or was it a case of like, mm, this looks like a load of bullshit, I'm gonna ignore it for a bit and someone else suggests again, oh, you better have a look. So just some context as to what, um, uh, what your profession was perhaps, and therefore uh, the lens that you had in which you looked at Bitcoin when you first came across it. Sure. So um, I guess I'm at the older end of the typical Bitcoin scale, um, closer to retiring than starting my career. And I've spent um, 35 uh, plus years, 40, almost 40 years in, in IT, working in uh, usually the big end of town. So large, complex systems, um, banks, insurance, telco, logistics, uh, public sector. Um, yeah, all the big, hairy, complex stuff. So uh, quite surprisingly, it turns out that an understanding of complex systems has been quite useful in understanding Bitcoin. Um, when did I first come? I would like to say that it was a love at first sight, but I'm just the absolute standard story, which is three touch points. Um, someone I know was mining it back in probably 2012. Uh, GPU cards, um, creating digital money. Um, but of course, I was in computing and he wasn't. So what are you talking about? You can just copy and paste that stuff. You can't, you can't have digital scarcity. What are you talking about? Um, so that was my first big strikeout. Um, the second one was probably 2015, 16, uh, wide articles and not Bitcoin specifically, but Ethereum and the DAO. Um, so I liked, I liked the concept and the idea without understanding either Ethereum and still hadn't understood Bitcoin. Um, and in those first two times, um, like you, very busy with a young family and running a business and living life. And then fast forward to... 2017, uh, lots of mania, and then started learning a bit about Bitcoin, bought some Bitcoin. Um, that then incentivizes you to learn a lot more about Bitcoin. I'd like to say that 
um, my Bitcoin journey did not include shit coins, but it absolutely did. <laughs> um, of many flavors and colors, um, spent ages digging into white papers and ICOs, and it probably took me until about the middle of 2018, so probably a year, um, to eventually tweak the fact that only Bitcoin mattered. And once I'd got to that recognition, um, I realised that life is short, my time is precious, Bitcoin is as close to a sure bet as you can get in that space. And so I just dumped every single altcoin I had and just put it into Bitcoin. And that was a huge moment of simplicity and clarity. Everything else fell away. I only had one thing to focus on. And all of my great successes in life have come from being very focused on specific things. Uh, I'd like to say I always chose the right thing to be focused on. Uh, not always the right, not always the case, but certainly all the successes in life have come from being consistently focused for the long term. So that's probably when it really started for me in 2018. And then I was working in Europe um, on, on site with a customer for a couple of weeks in September 2018, no, 20, 2018. And I saw some reference to this conference up in Riga, Honey Badger. And I, I looked at the conference site and there are all these um, weird looking dudes that I'd never heard of. Maybe one or two of them I'd seen on, on Twitter. And I thought, well, where's Riga? Uh, where's Latvia? Uh, oh, that's the middle weekend. I'm I'm in Europe. Hello. Oh, how, how, how much would it cost to go there? Um, it was Bitcoin only, so that that was the thing that, that got me interested. Um, I think it cost me forty quid to to yeah, fly nice. up there. And I thought, yeah, yeah. Well, what else was I going to do on the weekend apart from just work? You know, it's pretty boring. Um, so I went up to went up to Latvia. Knew absolutely no one um and that weekend i probably did a year's worth of learning it was like putting your mouth over the hose mm -hmm. except it was a fire hydrant and then you and then your kid brother says are you thirsty and they turn it on full blast it was just two days of of um listening and absorbing and uh getting my head absolutely full of realizing just how little I knew and just how much there was to learn. Awesome. And it's a, it's a cool moment when you come across a, a new challenge, uh, a subject, and I don't remember the specific day, but um, nothing has ever quite caught my attention in the same way that this particular subject has, that is Bitcoin and what brings us together today. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's get into it. So, um, Wiz, I would love to go back to where you spoke about complex systems and 40 years in IT. What, what is a complex system for those out there that don't necessarily understand what it means? And um, perhaps explain a little more as to why understanding that field is an important lens to understanding Bitcoin. Sure. Um, in some ways, it's helpful in the sense of having a lot of battle scars that come from uh, people making what appear to be small changes in one system that have massive impacts in other systems that weren't immediately apparent. So um, most large organisations running, running mainframes in particular will have fairly extensive application portfolios and they might have 10, 50 or 500 application groups. Each of those application groups may be made up of two or three programs or two or 3,000 programs. So there are often 
millions or tens of millions of lines of code. The applications uh, interact with each other. Uh, they interact with other agencies. They interact in a number of different ways. And so you can look at making a small change and think that you've done fairly careful impact analysis and that you understand exactly what's going to happen from that change. And then you make the change and there's all sorts of unexpected consequences um, that can lead to some pretty catastrophic failures and lots of midnight oil and lots of yelling and screaming. So from that perspective, it's been helpful looking at Bitcoin to go, yeah, the, the incentive system in Bitcoin is really important and making what appear to be small changes in Bitcoin's code can have huge consequences. So that, that part's been useful. The part that I've really had to unlearn was that 30 or 40 years has been spent building uh, closed source software systems for centrally controlled organizations. Wow. So command and conquer. Um, coming into open source and distributed systems um, was really a very big mindset change. And certainly in the last five years, I've gone from thinking, uh, can't trust open source software, really need a trusted vendor for things like security, to completely discarding that mindset and going, the only way that you'll achieve any degree of security in any computer system is to use open source software that is widely used, heavily vetted with many, many eyes. And Bitcoin would be uh, probably the most heavily scrutinized code base on the planet wow. with a very, very significant incentive to do so. How cool. And I'm just jotting some notes down here. It's so much interesting stuff. <clears throat> um, that, that's a big shift. And it's amazing. I mean, this happens to, to many people I'm talking to on this journey, how, you know, you might have had a, you have a lens that helps you understand Bitcoin, but then equally what it teaches you is that there's a, best, there's a better way of doing a, a load of things that you were previously doing. Or, best is probably the wrong word. There's an alternative way of doing things to what you were previously doing. And when you start learning about the alternative, you prefer it. Um, in my personal case, I did, did some... Um, a few years in startups and in hindsight i was basically being coached by venture capital firms to try and build breakout digital monopolies that's yeah. really what we were trying to create and so it was all about looking for you know high paced uh, traction and basically getting people either addicted or completely dependent on your software business and then network effects etc cetera, etc cetera. and I thought that was modern entrepreneurship. And then suddenly I find myself in the Bitcoin space. And, you know, I was thinking, can you look for interesting Bitcoin businesses to invest in an equity stage and early? And yes, there might be opportunities like that, but actually that's not the point. The point is building this open source platform that helps people interact uh, with no middleman. And it's just a completely different mindset to how I was previously thinking. Um, so I, that resonates with me a lot, actually. Uh, and and just um, on this on this on this career in, in systems. So you were a software developer by trade. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so of this shift that you've gone through, then what what have you found the most challenging about it? So um, you know, as you mentioned, you were building what was it closed source centralized systems to suddenly say yourself five years down the line, you know, the, a proponent of something totally the opposite. What was the biggest hurdle to unlearn? I think that's the that's the crux of it, Jake, is that Bitcoin makes you <clears throat> rethink and unlearn many things. Um, and as with a lot of people coming from a technology background like myself, usually you have very little understanding of money and very little understanding of economics. Um, 
I was probably uh, very typical in the sense that, you know, I was, like, you save a certain portion of what you earn, uh, don't spend extravagantly, um, you make sure you've got some resources for rainy days or future plans. Um, but the, the impact of uh, monetary debasement and the effect on reducing future purchasing power, which is in effect, uh, is, in, yeah, is in effect theft, um, was really quite a bit of a shock. And I, I say this to some of my younger Bitcoiner friends up here in Brisbane, I'm incredibly jealous there. They're less than half my age and they've discovered in their early 20s what I learned in my 50s. How did I get half a century through life without understanding how money and the financial system worked? Partly we don't teach it, partly um, I was never interested. I probably could have found out earlier if I'd been interested and dug into it, but didn't. Um, I'm, not, I'm not casting nasturtiums or um, you know, blaming someone else. But yeah, that, that's been a big, a big mindset change. And I think the, you know, to your point about startups and building businesses, um, I look at um, that typical Silicon Valley venture capital fueled, debt funded, um, growth seeking machine as absolutely a function of cheap capital. Yeah. Um, it, it's very much a fiat mindset. Um, the, the other thing that's probably stood me well, um, having built a, you know, built a small business over the last 20 years, which has grown largely organically. Um, we've done a couple of uh, acquisitions of foreign software firms over that time, uh, but we've tended to borrow the money rather than seek venture capital, um, which has worked out well for us. But I didn't come to Bitcoin with a short-term mindset. I came with a long-term mindset to begin with. So that's, that's been very helpful. But thinking about uh, Bitcoin businesses, and there are, you know, there is an explosion of Bitcoin businesses now, um, the things are not the, the Bitcoin startups just need to have a different mindset. They can, and I believe will be, hugely successful and powerful. And we are very, very, very early. Early investors um, will reap a lot of benefit in the medium to long term. Um, investors seeking returns in the typical two to five year time frame are going to have to learn to be patient. Mm. Uh, I'd love to learn more about the business you've been building. I'm, I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, you can share as much or as little as you want, to be honest, but the, the process of building a business is obviously one of the most challenging things that anyone can ever embark upon. So you're, you're the founder of the company. Do you do it with uh, a team of friends or uh, just yourself um, building the business the last 20 years? And um, how do you see the, the future with Bitcoin as part of the picture? Um, one of the best decisions I ever made was not to start the business alone, but started with a partner. And that expanded out to uh, four of us in the beginning and then became three of us, which it still is today. Um, and we, we have a very high degree of respect amongst the three of us and very different perspectives, uh, which leads to some great some great arguments sometimes um they're, they're not they're not um you know they're not uh angry screaming arguments they tend to be really why do you think that and you know then there's some discussion about it and then people go away and you know we think more about it but experience has taught us that when we have a consensus view uh which we 
reach by um, quote unquote process, um, usually, usually that's a pretty powerful consensus and gets us a good outcome. And certainly the, the big decisions we've made with uh, certainly acquisitions where we've borrowed millions of dollars to do those um, and paid it back and reaped the benefit of, of those. Um, and then um, built on the foundations of those businesses that we've acquired has, um, has reinforced that. And so as the founders of the business, uh, at least one of this partnership of three is uh, a Bitcoin bull. Um, I'm sure you probably talk regularly with the others about it, but have you guys, you haven't? No. no? Okay, interesting. But what I was going to ask is whether or not you guys have taken Bitcoin onto the balance sheet or had any discussions around how that might affect your business. No, we we tend to work very closely together at work, um, but not outside of work. Okay. So um, they're certainly aware that I know about Bitcoin. Uh, I've shared some resources with them about that. Um, but unfortunately we don't have bitcoin on the balance sheet um I, I would like it if we did but we don't um and the others will get there in their own time mm. i i do like i do like panic fomo's um infamous quote of everybody buys bitcoin at the price they deserve yes you know that it sounds a, it sounds a really malevolent quote but it's not i think it's just it just reflects the reality that everyone gets Bitcoin when they're ready. And, you know, we're all at different life stages and have different things going on. And, you know, it, you, know you, you move to, uh, you know, you move to uh, Australia just before COVID and, mm. you know, we're in a place where there was, you know, very, very long, tough lockdowns. Um, and spent a lot of time. You probably spent a lot more time reading about Bitcoin in those in those periods than you might otherwise have done if you'd remained in the UK. Mm. So yeah, those are like the sliding door moments, aren't they? When you, you think back and you go, okay, well that happened. Did that happen for a reason? <laughs> you just you know you could get quite spiritual for a moment. And, and <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. We're the sum of all that's come before, but that doesn't mean we get to go and look at the alternate path. Mm. Interesting. And so as a small business owner, or small, it might be a big business, I don't know anything about it, but as a business owner, I should rephrase that, um, Bitcoin is going to change the way that we do business, whether or not that's in how we transfer value to each other around the world, whether or not that's in how we look after the reserves of the business uh, and holding Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Um, but business owners are busy really fucking busy and to yeah. your point some of them just haven't even thought about bitcoin like bitcoin is this thing that pops up in the newspapers from now and then and generally speaking is slammed by all of the like well purported you know financial newspapers and, and technology uh, media businesses they generally all very negative about it um how far are we away from the the small to medium business owners understanding bitcoin getting it on the balance sheet and, uh, and looking to utilize it to, to build their businesses. And I, and I think of this from the perspective of, you know, they'll have, um, you know, merchants transaction fees if they're a retail business and the Lightning Network, or they'll have, um, you know, difficulties in raising capital because they can't show they've got enough on the balance sheet. And so they don't have um, ways of raising debt, perhaps, or whatever the case might be. Bitcoin solves a bunch of different types of problems for small business owners. Um, you know, slash maybe you've got 50 grand in the bank, and you know you don't need it for the company right now, but what are you going to do? Give that to a wealth manager who's going to kind of invest it into a portfolio of things in public markets to try and like preserve your purchasing power. Like how do they manage cash flow? What are your thoughts on uh, on how small to medium business owners might uh, approach this? Um, I think it's very, very early. Mm. Um, and I think it's not... Uh, it's not a single brush. And by that, I mean that if I was a small business owner starting off uh, in Australia or pretty much anywhere in the West, then you're unlikely to consider putting Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Too much risk, um, not part of your primary mission. 
um, why add more complexity when it's not required? Hmm. So not gonna not gonna be front of mind for not this decade, I would think. However, if you happen to live in, say, Argentina or Turkey or places where money debasement is rampant or government confiscation uh, of bank accounts and the contents of the bank accounts um, has happened or there's been a history of it, then you probably don't need too much um, nudging to think about using Bitcoin as a unit of account uh, and certainly as a store of value because the alternative is, is a lot riskier. And that's why, I, that's why I think that, you know, the West will kind of be forced by necessity last. Hmm. Everywhere else in the world, um, uh, where those problems are real today, not, oh, there's a sniff of it, um, they'll, they'll adopt earlier and they won't need convincing. And I think this is actually already happening. When you look at um, user growth, I don't know how trusted this, uh, this data can be, but places like Vietnam, you know, absolutely booming in terms of this peer-to-peer -peer network. And you don't read that in Wired, for example. <laughs> you know what I mean, they're not talking about this at all. Um, so what I'd love to ask about is uh, a bit more about uh, Bitcoin, Bra uh, Bitcoin Braemar. That's one of my <laughs> competitors at work. Bitcoin Brisbane. So 2018, you, you'd fallen in love with Bitcoin, or at least you'd had the epiphany moment of there's only one thing to focus on, which is a key moment in everyone's kind of journey to the space. Um, when did you decide to get involved in a meetup? And, uh, and what have you learned from that process? Um, probably not until about 20, 2019. Um, 2019, I gave a presentation on the Lightning Network. So I'd been running a Lightning node in the latter part of 2018, which was pretty early, pretty reckless. Um, but I bought $300 worth of Bitcoin to put on my Lightning node. Um, so 0.1 of a Bitcoin um, on the basis that, yeah, I'm prepared to lose that, but Lightning looks really interesting. Um, so I started learning about that. And then I knew one of the guys running a meetup group here in Brisbane. Um, so offered to come along and talk about Lightning. And that was really well attended. Um, first time I sort of stood up uh, and talked about Bitcoin. And I think probably like everybody standing up and talking about Bitcoin the first time, you, you think, oh, there's so much I don't know. How can I, how can I possibly talk about Bitcoin? But there's that old saying that, you know, when, uh, when one teaches, two learn. So, you know, a, as you try and explain things, you realise where the gaps in your knowledge are. Um, and you certainly do when the questions start flying. But that drives you to learn more and to communicate more clearly. So that, that was really the start of that. Um, I met a few people uh, that evening that um, are now part of Bitcoin Brisbane and uh, good mates and have encouraged, encouraged me to keep going. Um, from that, um, sort of started catching up with people from time to time. And then, I don't know when it was, maybe 2020, I think, we started um, Bitcoin Brisbane. And it was uh, one of the guys from PayBTC, uh, which is a Bitcoin-only exchange uh, based out of Brisbane here. Uh, and he kicked that off, Ben. Um, and then, so of course, I was happy to go along and happy to talk on pretty much any subject to do with Bitcoin um, <laughs> that, I, that I had a basic competency and understanding of. And people started coming along and asking questions and asking for uh, discussions on other things. Um, and then we, then we started making it regular. 
um, yeah, went from there. Awesome. It's it's so nice meeting people in, in person, especially given the lockdowns that have happened the last couple of years. It's been very refreshing to, to get out and uh, and actually kind of say hello. And often one has a lot in common when you you know you're at a Bitcoin meetup and you've adopted this cryptocurrency. I mean, let's talk about the Bitcoin bush bash for a moment. There we were in Beechworth. I'm grew up in the UK. Never imagined that I'd ever live in Australia, let alone you know, have an Australian baby, an Australian wife, and go to AFL games with my mother-in-law. You know, just never would have dreamed that would happen. And there I was like winning the goddamn lottery, Jack. It is, mate. No, I'm loving it. But <laughs> there I was, you know, in Beechworth, this like little kind of sleepy town, four hours north of Melbourne, with some nice wineries in a room stuff for the people talking about what is still a very nascent technology. And there we all were, you know, sharing ideas, um, becoming friends, having some beers, doing whatever. And you're like, what the hell is this? Like I've never, my, my first time I've ever experienced anything like it, that's for sure. So yeah. So, so the Bitcoin bush bash, wonderful. I love meeting people in person. So what was the genesis for, uh, for that? Uh, the genesis of that was uh, a friendship between uh, Hoddle on Comrades and Sir Hugh and myself. Uh, we'd met at the Sydney um, Bitcoin meetup. Um, so 2019 and 20, travelling a fair bit for work. Um, uh, those guys live in Canberra. Um, I'm in Brisbane, but you know, sometimes we managed to cross over there and I was up and down to Canberra quite a bit at some uh, one stage so I'd often catch up with the lads and and then of course 2020 came along and um, uh, we all spent lots of time at home and especially in Queensland where they closed the borders um, it was quite frustrating and I remember in early October um, we kind of got the sense that the Premier was going to open the borders at the end of October, start of November. And I rang Bill up and I said, um, where's that place that you and Hugh go to play golf and um, get on the beers? And he said, oh, Murrurundi. And I said, where the hell is that place? <laughs> so I've opened up. I've opened up uh, Google Maps and lo and behold, it's halfway between Canberra and Brisbane. It's up in the, uh, uh, for those of you that are listening, it's in the, uh, in the Hunter Valley, um, west of Sydney, northwest of Sydney. And uh, so he said, right, first weekend in November. And so we agreed we'd meet there, um, just stay at the local hotel that Bill knew and great. That was something to look forward to. I was really looking forward to that. Bit of a drive down there, uh, roughly equivalent drive for him coming up. And we we're basically just going to have a day's drive down. That'd be the Friday, day's drive back the Monday. That's all fine. Saturday and Sunday, just chewing the fat, talking the corn, drinking a few beers, having a few laughs, um, been too long apart, hadn't seen mates. Lo and behold, a couple of days goes by and old mates set up the bitcoinbushbash.info website and said, yeah, Wiz and I are meeting in Murrurundi first weekend in November. All Bitcoiners welcome. Um, let one of us know and uh, we'll see you there. He put down the uh, contact details for the local accommodation places and then the messages started rolling in. And so by the time we headed off on the Friday, I thought, oh yeah, there might be, you know, about, about 20 people said they'd come and, you know, I've done events and stuff before and you go, okay, well, 50%, 65% will turn up. So maybe a dozen people, this will be great. Then a couple of people said, are there gonna be any presentations or any sessions? I thought, oh, that's, that's a good idea. And I'd been playing around with a few things. I put a few slides together. Anyway, we, we turn up on the Friday night. There's probably a dozen people there. Um, by Saturday lunchtime, it was about 40 people. So wow. 
There was no, there's no registration, there's no cost, there's no KYC. We don't care what your real name is. Um, uh, but there's no, there's no altcoins. Um, it's just about Bitcoin. So if you want to learn about Bitcoin and you're interested in Bitcoin, um, come along. And so that's that's how it started. So um, I gave a few sessions. A few other people gave some sessions. Um, JP from Sydney brought uh, brought his uh, Blockstream satellite, and he and Katan set up the satellite in the beer garden and uh, synced synced the node uh, connected to the satellite. And then we sent a lightning transaction to a Telegram bot that relays a message on the, on the, on the satellite stream and received the message on the satellite stream. So that whole satellite stream and computer was only connected to, uh, only connected to Bitcoin via the satellite, no internet. Wow. And that was that was pretty cool seeing that and, and understanding how that worked. Um, and we did lots of other little demonstrations and lots and lots of discussion. And the best thing was the discussion. And um, that's why at the Bush Bashes, we probably we don't try and rush. You know, okay, you've got thirty five minutes to go and get lunch. <clears throat> Next session starts in thirty five minutes. It's yeah, let's have a couple of hours for lunch. Why? So you've got plenty of time to talk to people, you know, the interesting nerd uh, over there, you know, the um, that person who gave that that session earlier in the morning, I want to go and talk to them. How did they get, how did they do that? What does it really mean? Um, and so, yeah, whether it's breakfast with other Bitcoiners in the place you're staying at, um, talking to them over a coffee, having lunch with them, uh, or inevitably ending up at the pub, having a steak and a feed and, and a few beers at the end of the day, stretches into the evening, um, <clears throat> often into the morning. Uh, those, are really, those are really enjoyable times. And uh, I know Bill, Bill and myself and Hugh all enjoyed that tremendously. So we just, we just then said we'd do another one and that first one was in November 2020, and Victoria was still locked down, so they, none of the Victorians could come. So, <clears throat> so we said we'd do one in the autumn, and we'd go to Victoria. So, chose Beechworth, um, uh, and the theory and or the the idea behind that was we wanted a place that was accessible. There was some accommodation. But it was regional. There was a bit of proof of work required to get there, um, and you know, a few of us have grown up in small country towns, and you know, forty or fifty people rolling into the town for the weekend, um, and spending up big on beer and steak and coffee um, and accommodation uh, is a material boost to to those smaller town economies, and so you know, that that generates a positive vibe as well. It's such a great story. I love it. The, the thing I can, I guess I'd love to, to flesh out a bit here. First of all, ideas are very compelling. Ideas supersede lifetime in some sense. You look at you know, some of the religions that have existed over multi, multi generations as an example, um, or even, you know, scientific theories or whatever you want to, to, to jump into. But um, this is a, a nascent technology, a cryptocurrency, and potentially, you know, is the, the base currency of the world forever. Uh, and yet most people haven't adopted it or haven't realized it yet. And there are small pockets of people all over the world right now adopting this decentralized system. Um, and what you've just described is a very small microcosm of what we happen to be experiencing right now in, in Australia, in a tiny, tiny community of people. Uh, and, you know, 
you guys obviously had a relatively engaged group of friends in Brisbane or Sydney or Canberra or wherever you may have been. You're interested in Bitcoin. You've been to some previous meetups. And, you know, before you know it, you've sent a couple of tweets out and you've got 40 people physically to Murrurundi in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, as far as I'm concerned. Like Australia is massive. When you're like, oh, yeah, like we'll drive on the Friday. So how, lo- how long is it to drive from Murrurundi to Brisbane? Just out of interest. Uh, about nine hours or something yeah bang there you go nine hours who drives nine hours do you know what i mean this is a long way for me as a brit like you don't just get in the car and do nine hours like sure in scotland sure there was there was three of us right and we, took, <laughs> we, took, we, took, we took turns of driving yeah. we had bitcoin podcasts yeah and and we we're all just happy to be getting out of town getting out of queensland awesome and going to spend the weekend talking the corn so it, it was it was a it just passed in a heartbeat it's great it of course it did and and i love this concept of you know proof of work is such an important part of the design of bitcoin um the concept of you know doing the work in order to you know get the value basically and um you know how important is it then going forwards for the bitcoin bush bash to host events in slightly more difficult to um to reach destinations and what do you think that means for the type of people that actually make it there and if I could blend that question with the the point I just made about this decentralized network of people around the world getting together and doing this stuff, like how powerful do you think that is? Um, I think it's really powerful and it's powerful because it's resilient. And the thing that um, a couple of things warmed my heart about the Bush Bash. One was when we first did it in um, Murrurundi, how much positive feedback we got about doing it and from people there and um and then and then people who just volunteered to to run sessions and and do things um and continue to do so and then when we did the second one and went to Beechworth um not very many Victorians came actually I, I, I don't really know why that was the case uh, that they, they certainly made up for it. Um, they made up for it in autumn this year. Um, but at that second one, there were still people who came out of the woodwork um, and, and offered to do sessions. In fact, they said, oh, I want to do this session. Like, would that be all right? Can you fit me in? I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and that's just been fabulous. It's not... Uh, it's not my show. I'm happy to put effort in to help coordinate it and organise it. But um, and I'm always happy to talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> I've got an, I've got an endless stream of Bitcoin things to talk about um, if people are interested. But it's it's not it's not my show. And um, you know, in some ways, Beechworth this year. Was a, was a good example of that in uh, in terms of I got food poisoning on the Thursday night before coming out to Beechworth. Uh, felt pretty average on Friday. Uh, Saturday morning was less than stellar, uh, and then just had to go and crash on on uh, Saturday afternoon. Sunday was yeah, it was a bit tough, but um, yeah. Then when I get home on Monday, I'm still feeling really really rough um turns out i had the rona mm. <laughs> so, so not only did i have food poisoning as a bonus somewhere along the line i've, I've picked up um covid and yeah spent a rough week after that but that's not the point the point is the bush bash just kept on going everyone had a great time didn't yeah. need me and that's how it should be and so this phrase resilient um if Bitcoin is the most resilient thing we've ever built, what does that mean? And is there any connection to your understanding of complex systems? So drawing it right back to your expertise, is that something that to you is an attractive characteristic and gives you extra conviction in Bitcoin? Um, I think for money and potentially global money, it is a hugely important thing, a critical thing. And Bitcoiners are part of that in the sense that they are a, 
a social layer. So you get to a certain point of understanding with Bitcoin and you go, holy moly, this is really important, really important. Everybody needs to know about this. Wait, everybody needs to know about this right now. And everybody you meet and talk to, you talk to about Bitcoin because it's unbelievable that they don't understand. And it's super important that they do. And the closer you are to them and the more uh, that they are, you know, in, sort of in your um, in your life, you know, part of your sort of heart song, if you like, then the more important it is that they understand it, which, of course, probably pushes the majority of them away, which is probably why most Bitcoiners would reflect that uh, it's very hard to orange pill your own uh, partners and family, but your own partners and family will quite happily listen to other Bitcoiners who then become a source of truth. Perhaps just replaying exactly the same thing that you said 423 other times, but this time it's, it's coming from someone who possibly actually knows what they're talking about as opposed to it's just dad or it's just him. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's fun, so isn't it? Hugely, hugely, you know, resilience is hugely important. And I think uh, if you want another example of concrete systems and the importance of resilience, um, supply chains would be, a, would be a great one. So um, supply chains and the efficiency of supply chains that have been achieved um, up until recently have had an implicit, an implicit reliance upon good trade relations and efficient, um, efficient, transport, uh, efficient and uninterrupted transport mechanisms. And none of those things are now holding true. So all of a sudden, uh, assumptions that we hadn't even realised we'd made are now very, very obvious. So resilience is that quality that allows us to continue on um, when, when things break. Some things break without everything breaking. Yeah, so that, that's, that last statement almost really catches my attention. So some things can break, but everything else carries on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very important part of this, isn't it? Because, you know, oh, the government's going to kill it, or the internet will get switched off, or, you know, any number of, of the usual reasons that people think Bitcoin won't succeed. Actually, if it is as resilient as we think it is, then one government might try and ban it. Multiple governments might try and ban it, but it's not going to kill it. Or equally, like they might turn the internet off in some part of the world, but like try doing it totally across the globe and try taking out every single decentralized node that exists today with the record of every single transaction since you know inception. It's it's largely impossible. Um, at least we hope it is. Uh, touch wood. A lot of value is riding on it, but it's unlikely that those things will will happen. Um, yeah, really interesting. But, but even but even if they do, then the checks and balances against that causing catastrophic failure are already there. Now, certainly, if you know, if you listen to say Luke Dash Junior, um, he would argue vociferously that not nearly enough Bitcoiners are running full nodes, um, which is why most Bitcoiners talk about the importance of doing that. Um, partly, that's for distributing the uh, the validation of blocks widely, which makes the entire network harder to shut down, but also it's for the, you know, the individual privacy and sovereignty benefits that come from running your own node. And if power does go out at your place or the internet goes out at your place, Jake, um, and you know, you've got no power or no internet for a day, and all of a sudden your node is not synchronized to the network, as soon as that power and the internet comes back on, the node just goes, oh, where was I? Hmm, I'll go and talk to some other nodes. Hey, dudes, how are you going? Yeah, yeah, good. What's the block height? Oh, shit, I need to catch up. Give me some other blocks. Give me the, give me the next block only. Give me the next one. Get, okay, now I'm all good. I'm back in sync. 
Okay, what was it you wanted me to do, Jake? Okay. Wow, and that's a, a lovely simplification as to how it would work in theory. Um, I don't know how it works in practice. Uh, in practice, yes. Yeah, sorry, that's a bit, much better for saying it. Uh, what I'd love to do is um, is wind back to um, you mentioned you gave some presentations on lightning. Um, if it feels like perhaps this is a little bit of a, a passion of yours in the in the Bitcoin space specifically, um, would you say that's the case? And please just teach us a little bit more about the the benefits of the Lightning Network and some of the potential you see for it. Um, yeah, definitely a passion. Um, <clears throat> probably in part because of where I came in. So, you know, Lightning, the Lightning Network in 2018 was, you know, in alpha uh, very, very early. Um, I hadn't really cottoned on. I was still figuring out that Bitcoin was the only game in town. Um, it wasn't really until the end of the year and having been to Honey Badger that I really understood that, you know, Lightning was part of Bitcoin. Um, and because it was new and because I could see that it was going to enable um, oh, I can't hear you for some reason. No, that just dropped out, Tim. Oh, you're back. I'm back? Yeah. Okay. Where's your bank? Okay. Sorry. Uh, you, you were saying, so we were talking about the Lightning Network and um, in 2018, post going to Riga, you were just realizing Bitcoin was the only show in town. And uh, yeah, yeah. Light, Lightning was in alpha. Yep. Um, and I could see that as a scaling solution to payments, it was going to be critically important or potentially um, a big part of that solution. And because it was so new, I didn't feel like I was trying to play catch up. I was kind of coming in on the ground floor along with I everybody see, else yes. and learning about it. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, what was the first one? Oh, the, the original CASA node. Uh, CASA originally started making uh, packaged node solutions. Uh, and that, that came with, uh, with a Lightning implementation. So that was my first one. That was followed fairly shortly after by um, MyNode. Uh, so when Taylor Helsper created the MyNode package, um, that was perfect because I'd not really used um, Linux before and I made the decision not to use Windows for anything to do with Bitcoin, that I was going to force myself to learn Linux at the same time as I was learning about Bitcoin. And so that... That, uh, that made things a lot more accessible. And I found that a huge um, learning uh, tool. So in that early stage, um, Taylor was adding uh, tool after tool after tool after tool to my node. And as each one came out, I'd go, oh, that's interesting. What does that do? So I'd go and take it for a test drive and learn about it. And, um, if it was broken, then I'd try and give feedback to the developers. If there was new stuff, I'd try and test it. Um, so I then started creating, uh, ran a Lightning node on, on the MyNode box. Um, and yeah, just started talking more about it, um, putting slides together, explaining to other people, um, helping people on Twitter who were trying to get onto Lightning. How do you set up channels? Uh, I need some inbound liquidity who can help. Yeah, I'll help you. Um, so I had a, had a reasonably well-ranked node until it imploded um, earlier this year. Uh, and it probably, you know, it definitely imploded <clears throat> because it was uh, way over capacity for the hardware it was running on. So I'm now building some newer hardware with a lot more capacity and we'll, we'll start again. And to to try and simplify the the use case of the Lightning Network for people, uh, one of my favorite books in the Bitcoin rabbit hole has been Layered Money by Nick Bartia. And just talking yeah. about the history of money and it puts it in this wonderful lens. It's like, you know, what is a base layer bearer asset? And obviously we've used different types of money over time. Anyway, this concept that Bitcoin is layer one 
right? And this is our digital gold in a sense, the way of thinking about it. And then layer two is going to be um, built on top of it. And yeah, could you just talk to us a bit about what that process looks like in terms of some of the use cases that you see um, today or in the future? And just for anyone out there that doesn't necessarily understand like um, the more technical side of things uh, and slash the use case. Yeah, so the, the concept of layered design in complex software systems is is very well established. It's not new, certainly not something that's been invented for Bitcoin or by Bitcoiners. Um, and it very much plays into that earlier thread of the discussion, Jake, about resilience. So <clears throat> we can afford to experiment on Lightning and with Lightning, knowing that even though Lightning inherits the security guarantees of layer one, if there's a failure at layer two, nothing apart from the Bitcoin locked in layer two um, is at risk. And that's a really, really important thing. And it's also why at the pace of development in Lightning, uh, in the Lightning ecosystem, can move at a much faster rate because the risk of damage is considerably less, the impact is less. So on layer two, we inherit the, the security guarantees of layer one. So lightning uh, channels are opened with a Bitcoin transaction and they're closed with another Bitcoin transaction. But uh, we could establish a channel between us, uh, Jake, and having established that channel, that channel could stay open uh, for the next 20 years. And during those 20 years, we could transact um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times or thousands of times. We could, if the channel was large enough, we could buy and sell and transact multiple ships, sales, and acquisitions. The on-chain visibility to those transactions over those 20 years is zero. All the on-chain transactions are, of course, public vis publicly visible. The only visibility to the Lightning, uh, public visibility to the Lightning transactions is when the channel is closed, is we can see what the closing balance was. What we can't see is what happened in the intervening period. Now, that's not to say that there are no, uh, no privacy leaks in Lightning on layer two. There certainly are, and there's a lot of work going on to improve that. And the uh, surveillance companies like Chainalysis and Ellipsis um, are equally working to uh, to figure out how they can start to see what's happening on the Lightning Network. Um, but as a starting point, are Lightning transactions considerably more private than Bitcoin on-chain layer one transactions? 100%. And, and what difference do you think it might make to the everyday person in the future? The fact that you can transact um, a layer away from the, the base layer? I think it'll fundamentally come down to uh, size of payment and speed, uh, speed of settlement. So lightning transactions once complete are settled and settlement of payment is not something that happens in the traditional financial system on yeah. an instant basis. So if you're a vendor and you're selling um, Bitcoin for Jake t-shirts, and you're using um, Stripe and uh, you've got an online shop and yeah. I buy one of those T-shirts and I pay um, you know, 30 bucks and I put in my credit card details. You don't get that money for some period. Now, as far as I'm concerned, money comes out of my account instantly. It's gone. But it doesn't come to you for some some later period, now, seven days, 14 days. Um, and then it's still not settled because I can then say, Jake never sent me the T-shirt. 
I don't have to have an argument with you about it. I just tell Visa, never happened, never delivered. So what do they do? They don't even have the conversation with you. They just yank the money back. And it's not until that, it's usually 90 or 180 days on credit card rails that the payment that I made to you for that T-shirt is considered settled. On Lightning, that happens within usually three to four seconds. Uh, on the Bitcoin main chain at layer one, that, uh, that happens every 10 minutes. And if it's a larger transaction, most people will wait three to six confirmations to consider it completely settled. Wow. It's very interesting, isn't it? So the if I could summarize, payments on the Bitcoin blockchain are not only uh, potentially more expensive when you're sending small amounts, but completely out in the open in that it's on the, the public blockchain. Whereas using Lightning, there's potential um, privacy benefits to that. But equally, it's the micropayment side of things that's infinitely cheaper and also like immediately settles, which it shits all over the traditional system. And frankly, doesn't it like a matter of seconds and the vendor of something has got that money straight away. The, the buyer has already sent it to them and they don't have to wait 90 to 100 days. I mean, it just, it's mind blowing, isn't it? What's going to happen in, in the world of, uh, of, of payments and finance and just, it, this is a, a digital money revolution. People just haven't really realized it's happening. Uh, it's just so crazy, isn't it? Whoa. It is, but but it also it also means that it creates a different set of problems. So, mm. um, you know, Lightning gives you near free, instantly settled transactions. Um, <clears throat> when you say micropayments, um, generally Lightning transactions will be um, uh, settled and successful up to I'd say two or three hundred bucks is not an issue um once you get beyond that once you get say above a thousand one to two thousand dollars then the transactions can can have a higher risk of failure because you're dependent upon the size of the channels um to your destination node but even that is is being um uh, dealt with largely with renee picard's work on um multi-path payments or multi-part payments so, um, you know, is a distinction between layer one, uh, the base chain and layer two. So layer one, publicly visible fee is a function of the size of the transaction, which generally is a function of the complexity of the transaction, not to do with value. That is a huge difference to the existing financial system. If you send a $300 million transaction, through the existing financial system, uh, there will be a very hefty fee for that. If you send $300 million through the Bitcoin network and it's one UTXO in and two UTXOs out and you're patient and you pay one sat per byte, um, then you'll move that two or $300 million for uh, less than a dollar worth of fees. Mind blowing. Yeah. Whereas Lightning, um, there is, a, there is a portion of the fee, a lightning fee, that is a function of the value of the payment, but it's measured in um, parts per million. So it's, it's still very, very small. So most, most lightning fees are uh, cents. Well, I can already feel, um, well, first of all, your passion for teaching about this subject comes through very clearly, but you, you, you deliver it very easily. So. I'm not surprised in the slightest that uh, your presentations in Brisbane have been received the way they have and how these communities you're helping to grow are, are going in the direction that they are. Uh, we're, we're coming up to an hour chatting, so I was just going to look to wrap it up, to be honest. Thank you so much for your time. Um, are there any final comments you'd like to make? Uh, stay humble. Stack sets. Teach others. Awesome. Thank you so much. And um, if anyone wants to get in touch, what's the best way to do that? Um, my Twitter handle is BTC Shelling Point, S-C-H-E-L-L-I-N-G-P-T. Um, I go through periods of prolific shit posting um, <laughs> and other times um, busy doing busy doing real world stuff. Uh, 
always happy to talk and uh, I hope we see hope we see more people at Bitcoin Brisbane and in at the Bush Bash. And I think what you're doing is great, Jake. Uh, it's, it's a hugely important part of people's education journey and uh, keep it up, doing a great job. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, um, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Jake. Cheers.